Hi there, and welcome to Let's Slow Down, a podcast for all of you who feel tired and stressed from this overwhelming world. Here we'll have fun, inspiring conversations about living life on our own terms and explore ways to ease the pace of our modern world, because life really is good when you're relaxed enough to be present for it. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Stolting, and I welcome you to this space where I hope to inspire you to slow down, because life is too short to let it go by in a blur. So take a deep breath, relax, and enjoy the show. Today's guest is Kathleen Howell. Kathleen wears many hats. She's a wife. She's a mom. She works at Rutgers University in New Jersey. She has her own small business, plan to be more. She does a lot of things, and she made time to talk to us today. So welcome to Let's Slow Down, Kathleen. Thank you. I'm really delighted to be here. I really am grateful for the invitation. Oh, well, we're grateful you accepted. I figured we would start by just talking a little bit about who you are and what your background is. Yeah. So you started off how I always like to start because most importantly, I do feel I'm uh, a mom of two older kids or children, adults, I should say. I'm 23 and 18. I'm a wife of about 27 years. I'm a college administrator as well as an educator. And I also say I'm, I'm a student and we'll go into a little bit about that as well. I got my undergraduate degree at Rutgers University. And then I decided, you know what, I think I want to go into social work. My first hiccup was that I applied to the social work program and unfortunately did not get accepted. I was really discouraged. I thought that was kind of my plan and I had a good GPA. I couldn't quite figure it out, but I was able to get a full-time position at Rutgers working as a secretary in what was called then student activities and leadership development. And honestly, as people say, sometimes things work out for a reason and the whole area of student activities, leadership development, professional development was so intriguing. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to pursue a graduate degree in higher education, well, education, and I specialized in higher education. So I worked in leadership development for quite a few years. I really liked that HR kind of people and culture piece of my job, and then moved over to the dean's office where I did a lot of policy and uh, procedure for the arts and sciences, and then had a wonderful opportunity at that time. Then I had my second child. It was not a good time in my life in terms of stress and, and where I was at work. And I got this wonderful opportunity to work for Rutgers Cooperative Extension. And I basically came there not even knowing what extension was all about as an undergrad and a graduate student. And I've been there since 2006, and I've never looked back. It's been a wonderful opportunity. I can kind of pull all those pieces together and also help others with some of those, the types of stuff we'll talk about. I love how a couple things, how you mentioned that one of your titles is student. I am the same and I'm a former teacher. And I think that as I get older, I realize I, I went into education because I love learning. And if I could just check the box of lifelong learner or student for the rest of my life, that would be a no brainer for me. Love learning new things. You were discouraged by not getting into the program that you you know thought was the right path for you, but you didn't let that stop you. And you 
let it take you on this beautiful organic journey that clearly was the right path. And I think that's such a nice lesson for us all to take from this. You want to just learn and grow from the experience and keep moving forward. Yes. Don't let anything hold you back. And what an amazing path you've been on for all these years. It truly has been a journey. Right before the pandemic, I was approaching 50. So I was really looking at my life. It's odd because I'd ha- try to have some of these discussions with some of my family members. And although I was so grateful for everything I had, what I had become, something just was still missing, right? And I couldn't put my finger on it. I wouldn't say I was depressed necessarily. I mean, then the pandemic came and, you know, obviously that didn't help the situation, but I really started, I came across Dr. Lori Santos, the science of happiness. Yes. And I kind of, that kind of started my journey with plan to be more, which we'll talk about and fulfillment. I feel like podcasts have brought so much to my life in terms of education and, and sharing opportunities. So I came across a podcast with Arthur Brooks and he coincidentally just wrote a book with Oprah Winfrey that was just released and it's called build the life you want. And again, it's all about this science of happiness and some things that he said just so resonated with me. And it was like, we all experience unhappiness, but we're not broken. You know, we all go through all that. So anyway, through my journey um, with plan to be more, I said, you know what, I want a life. I've always been a planner. So my dad tells me this story all the time. I always had a fascination with calendars. If you recall (laughs) going into Hallmark and you'd always get that free calendar, I would look forward to that every year. Then I moved (laughs) into like the Franklin Covey and the daytimer. And as you'll see, if you do visit my um, website or my social media, Instagram. I love creative calendaring. So I do a lot of journaling. It's a great self-care practice for me, but it also provides me that opportunity to really plan with intention. So for me, plan to be more was plan to be more fulfilled, plan to practice more gratitude, you know, kindness, plan to eat more nutritiously. My husband, um, unfortunately has type one diabetes. He has celiac disease. So taking that intentional time to plan meals. I I mentioned before my children are are older now, but obviously I've been through all those seasons of life, the kids and all their activities. But one of my really core values is family. And I pride myself through my journey in life, always keeping that to the forefront. So dinner with my family as much as possible. There's always, you know, give and takes, but I pride myself in that. So planning that meal time, sometimes work, you know, was very stressful, but trying to create and plan with intention so that I'm leaving at a reasonable time. I can go home, spend time with my family. So for me, plan to be more is exactly that, like plan to be more in life, not necessarily do more. However, I will say with this mindset, sometimes when I do reflect, like in my journal, I realize I do accomplish a lot. You know, I have a full-time job. I'm now teaching. I do teach in the leadership minor program, um, which is asynchronous. 
but I also now teach an in-person class. And now I've started to take on some clients and plan to be more. And sometimes I step back, I don't give myself enough credit, but I am doing a lot of stuff. And most of the time, I don't feel overwhelmed. I don't feel necessarily stressed because I have planned with that intention, you know, and building in that, that white space, building in that time for, as Laura Vandercam would say in Tranquility by Tuesday, like making those small adventures, having that fun throughout the day or the week. Um, so I feel in, in that sense, I'm at a good place. You aren't saying plan to do more, but plan to be more. And there is a very huge difference in those two phrases. And I've noticed something similar with my slowing down journey and trying to simplify and live more intentionally that in a strange way, it was kind of an unexpected surprise. I can do more of the things that matter when I slow down. And by eliminating some of those distractions and those extra things that really don't mean much. They're just busy work and things on our to-do list that we're doing for, because we always did. I feel much more accomplished. I feel more fulfilled and we do still, you know, we all can still accomplish so much. And I think this slowing down and living more intentionally doesn't mean like, you know, just sitting, staring at the ocean, doing nothing with your coffee. And although that sounds amazing, there's more to life than that. And we we are all here for a very unique purpose and giving ourselves the space and the time to figure out what that purpose is. Like you said, you were searching for that before the pandemic. It takes a little while to figure that out and kind of listen to that little voice inside and follow your intuition. And even if you hear it, you have to have enough energy, follow it and pursue it. So I love plan to be more taking the time and highlighting, really bringing this to the forefront that this is important and that we all have this in us and using our creativity and our imagination to figure it out. Like you said, doing the the journals. And now there's so much out there. And when I do meet with clients, depending on your work style, your personality type, there's a wealth of different. And I do encourage most of uh, my clients or my colleagues to use some type of written journal. There's a lot of digital and obviously people work differently, but there's nothing better than writing. I mean, Agreed. I think guests have talked about it. The research um, is quite evident, the power of, of writing. And for me, um, I, I struggle with the distractions with technology. And I will be the first person to tell you, like I do, I don't know if you've heard of the Pomodoro technique to focus, depending on the type of work I'm doing, set a timer, literally a timer, try not to use my phone for 25 minutes and focus on what I'm doing, take a break, go back, do another 25 minutes. And that during that 25 minutes or 45 minutes, whatever, you know, I'm working on and obviously it's not when I'm meeting with people, but that is the, I guess the key to me, like, okay, you cannot check your phone. You cannot go on the computer. You know, I do the um, same thing. Cause we are, we are pulled so many different directions without even realizing, I mean, even me working from home, a lot of times it's like, oh, I can go switch the laundry to the dryer. You know, I'm still working. It'll only take a minute. But if you do enough of those things, you don't get anything done. So again, being intentional. So for me, 
the journey and I think some of the struggle was I didn't for so long like I wasn't that kid or that person that knew this is what I want to do like my daughter always said I want to be like a marine biologist you know or my son he's so passionate about physics I want to do something I didn't I felt that was missing I knew I wanted to be a mom I knew I wanted but I didn't know what that was and honestly until I kind of went through this journey over the last three years I realized my purpose and my passion or my dharma as Sunil Gupta would say is to serving others and, and to helping others. And that's why I said, this is, I want to do this plan to be more. I want to share this science of happiness, this planning with intention with others. And, and I've seen when I'm teaching this leadership course, I've just been amazed over the last few years and actually quite upset about the struggles and the anxiety that these college students have. And most of them are very upfront and willing to communicate. And they'll just say like, Professor Howe, I didn't plan my time well, or I'm completely stressed and overwhelmed. There's something, many of them are lacking the executive function skills, whether yes. it hasn't mm -hmm. been developed or they need enhancement. And I see that in a lot of my colleagues. So I don't know if I mentioned before, I think I did, that I work for Rutgers Cooperative Extension. If you don't know Extension, please check out the website. But more or less, Cooperative Extension, we are the outreach arm of the university. It's part of the land grant system. So how we differ, we are part of the university, but our faculty and programmatic staff are actually housed in the 21 counties in New Jersey. So they are providing outreach and education for each youth development. I'm sure um, most people will be more familiar with that. Agricultural and natural resources and family and community health sciences. So our faculty and programmatic staff are really passionate about the work they do, but sometimes they're so passionate that there's so much burnout. You know, so I'm seeing that with a lot of my colleagues, a lot of the new professionals um, that I do a lot of onboarding, a lot of training with. And um, so we talk about like work-life balance because it's so much of their day-to-day, -day, um, they're not taking that intentional time to read a book, to go look at the ocean and drink your coffee, <laughs> to meditate, whatever that means to you. And it it like really upset me, you know? So I think that was part of my journey and what I want. So I'm now actually having the opportunity. I was just invited to speak to a professional organization um, within Extension to share the same thing and then really give some of the key and the tactical things for planning out the week. I'm trying to incorporate some of the executive functions into some of my classes, but because of this passion and studying, a colleague of mine had approached me and said, you know, Kathleen, would you like to put in a proposal for what's called a burn seminar? And it's called burn because it's a, a donor that gave a, a lot of money to Rutgers to have these seminars. And the seminars are various topics. And it's basically a pass or fail class. This one in particular, we wrote a proposal for more or less planning, organization, time management to lead to college success. 
and it's the target audience's first year students. So we were really fortunate. They cap out at 20. We filled up and we're almost a little more than halfway through the in-person seminars. And I hope my students would say the same thing, but it's really been fantastic. And as we teach time management, we teach time blocking, we teach intentional planning, you just see their eyes light up, like little things that we take for granted, like, okay, the, one of the biggest things I find in planning that is so incredibly important is what I call the weekly review. You'll hear this in a lot of planning, but really taking that five, 10 minutes, either on a Friday or a Sunday and planning out your week. So I actually on my website have what I call is like my eight essential calendaring strategies. So getting those connections of intentional time to have relationship and connections on your calendar, getting those appointments, getting those meetings, but also blocking that time. So you're making time for exercise, for movement, and just kind of teaching that and just seeing their faces like, oh, wow, I never even thought to do that. Or we had them just pull out a monthly calendar and I said, okay, bring two of your syllabuses to class. Look at your syllabus, put all your quizzes, put all your tests, whatever. And when we talked about it, you'd be amazed. They were like, oh, I didn't realize I have three <laughs> quizzes in one test. Okay, so how are we gonna block time and how are we gonna start studying now or a few days in advance. So I think that's been really powerful. And honestly, I feel I'm a student too. It's changed my life. And I just want now to help more students, help, you know, more colleagues thrive. I wish I would have had that. I didn't. So my daughter, in fact, looked at the syllabus when we were getting ready to release it. And I just wanted her opinion because she graduated about a year and a half ago. And she said, mom, I wish I would have had a class like that. I was thinking the same thing. I wish I did as well. And I wish that for my kids, you know, my oldest is a sophomore in high school. We're not quite at college yet, but I, boy, do I think the high schoolers would benefit from that because they are spread really thin. I mean, even the middle schoolers are spread really thin these days with too many extracurriculars and all that stuff, just getting so over the top with commitments, but being able to plan especially academically, knowing, all right, I've got a huge test in two days, or maybe I have two tests in two days. Can't do it all the night before. How am I going to work this out? And then taking it a step further and applying it, because I think a lot of times we get stuck in these like zones, like, okay, this is how I plan with school, but then we don't necessarily apply it with our home life or sports exactly. or everything else, but making that connection and transferring that knowledge over to other areas of our life. Okay. I have three activities on Saturday. First of all, maybe that was too many that I planned. But second of all, what do I need to do ahead of time? Do I need to pick up a gift for someone? Is it a birthday? Do I need to you know, plan a, a meal or whatever it is? And there's just so many valuable life lessons. I think that every single person would benefit from this. It's really a life skill that we should all have. It totally is. And so I'm doing it now with, as you were just saying, with um, high school students. My hope and plan is to take this curriculum and to offer something in the spring for in-person for a limited group of like high school students. I'd really like to get students that uh, might not have access to, to this type of training and similar to the burn seminar, maybe offer five to seven sessions weekly 
prepping them so that when they get to college, it's already overwhelming when you first get there. I mean, sure. we talked about this with the college students and they get all this information in the beginning and orientation. And then when they really need the resources, they weren't able to, to take it all in. Like you said too, looking at the big picture because it's not only school, it's not only work. It's so important to set boundaries. I've had to do that. And and like, I think a lot of your guests and you hear this often is when you say yes, you're saying no to something else, you know, yep. vice versa. And that's, yes. and that's so important. And setting priorities, looking at your values, looking at your month, year, whatever ahead, it allows you to be intentional about that, you know? So myself, like I definitely want to, pick up more clients and stuff, but I also have to be mindful of my time too and, and my intention. I think even starting up early, creating those habits now, that's what I try to do with the high school students is listen, you block time definitely differently in high school. Right. Here's how you might consider doing it. And again, everyone works differently. So you have to figure out what works for you. And that may change during different seasons of life. It will change. But here looking ahead, this is how college is. So now you kind of have this skill or this strategy. How then can you apply it to college and then to work or whatever you're, you know, you're doing beyond that. Yep. So like I said, I I wish. I wish I had that. And I know my children wish they had that. I'm just thinking with all the overscheduling, there's just very little time for anything else. Most importantly, downtime. We all need the downtime. We need that family connection. We need that family dinner that you were talking about. I think it's really important as well. And sadly, we don't, this is our busy season currently in the fall. We don't get that family dinner too often. Not a lot of opportunities. And trust me, we're looking to make some changes because I just, it's not okay for us and for our values. And I know for me, I was grateful to have that family. So I knew that to get together and have dinner together was truly something that a lot of people don't have, you know, and doesn't it just set the foundation for everything else? Yes. So I was like, you know what? I'm fortunate to have that. I'm going to make every minute, every dinner. So absolutely. These younger kids, they've got all these activities that are scheduled and run by adults. Again, very little downtime. Do you think that that might be part of the reason when they get to you at the college level, they're struggling with some of these things? I mean, my personal opinion is without research backing it, but yes. And I'm finding too that some other younger kids that I know too, they don't know how to be bored or they're actually very uncomfortable with it. Yes, they are. And I know we're fortunate here where I live. We do have a development and there's a lot of kids out there. So my kids, and I know a lot of kids did not experience this, but my kids did go out, ride their bikes, did play. But yes, I, I do think that. And and the technology, although it comes with many, many benefits, the research is showing, I mean, the distraction. and Yeah, we've got to be careful with it. Everybody's yeah. got to limit that. You know, and anxiety is, is, is sky high. But there are ways to manage it. 
and certainly there's pros for technology, but I do think it's, and I, myself included, I mean, I, I think all of us, I think if you, if you own a phone, you're addicted to it because that's just the nature of it. It's made to be addictive. You know, there's been lots of studies shown on that. It's, that's why they made it. That's how they create it. Instant gratification. And yep. I try to tell like my colleagues, like this is my focus time. When you hear my little Pomodoro timer, unless it's an emergency, please give me that focus time, um, that deep work. For me, it's typically the morning, but I think everyone needs to do that. And communication is so key. So if you're communicating your your work style and you have that with your team or your family or what have you, I think that that makes it easier and more beneficial. But it also depends on the nature of what you're doing or, you know, who you're interacting with. But I think it's important that we all have those communications. Absolutely. It will never hurt to be more open and transparent. I think we have so much going on that we just keep a lot of it in our head. You know, we don't always share everything, even with just our family. Like, all right, I need this time right now. I need this 25 minutes, this 45 minutes, but they're going to interrupt you or they're going to pop their head in and talk to you if they don't know. I mean, can't blame them. And sometimes that happens. And then I bite their heads off and I'm like, oh, they have no idea what I'm doing right now. Cause I didn't tell them. <laughs> it depends on the season of life. Obviously when I was a new mom, you know, it, it was different, but you, ha- you do have to have grace. You have to have grace for yourself. No matter how hard you plan with intention, you're still going to have those overwhelming, chaotic moments, hours, day life. I'm like, okay, life happened. That I had X, Y, and Z all figured out, but then life happened. And we're lucky that life happens. Oh yeah. We're fortunate to be here, right? Talking. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is a very inspiring conversation and I love all of these things that you have accomplished so intentionally in your life. I want to ask you about your morning routine. You said you think the best in the morning. I love hearing about people's morning routine. So I'm guessing you have one. Me too. And that was actually an area (laughs) that I did a lot of studying on and, and the success of people with morning routines. And I like to call it, for me, I call it like a good day ritual. Because oftentimes when people hear morning, a lot of people don't resonate with the morning. The morning is extremely important to me, but it's how I start the day. So whenever, however someone starts the day, just make it good for you. So in the morning, I do get up early, but that's just how I, I don't know. It's just always been me. It's how you're wired. When I tell people like 4.50 or 5 a.m., people cringe, but my, but I just get up. Like it's not something I'm, I, most of the time I don't even set an alarm. That's just me. So I get up, my husband's still sleeping, although he's a early riser too, but I go downstairs and honestly, that hour or so, so important to me. I get up, I have a glass of water with electrolytes. I start brewing my coffee. I do some type of stretches, usually some type of yoga stretches, push-ups, and then I reading is incredibly important to me. I love it. I'm passionate about it. Um, I'm usually reading a fiction and nonfiction book at the same time. So usually in the morning, I'll read my nonfiction book. So many of the books I referred to earlier, you know, I read in the morning and I set my uh, timer for 10 minutes. 
If I go above that, that's fine. But those are my 10 minutes without distraction. And then oftentimes I will journal, but it just depends on my schedule for the day. And I know my schedule for the day, unless there's emergencies, because that night before I kind of set my priorities. So on Mondays, there's certain podcasts I enjoy. I do a meditation one, so it comes out on Mondays. So I make that part of my Monday routine. And truthfully, it makes me so happy to get up in the morning. It sounds so cliche, but truly, I look so forward to my mornings, to that having that time. And I've always done it. It may not have been um, as long when I had little kids or, you know, there was mornings that it didn't happen. But I find if I don't have that, quote, me time, my day is just can get out of hand. That's like my calmness. So I look forward to it and I try to break it up. I have some of the same core things, but in terms of like the stretches I do and, you know, whether or not I journal, there's different types of journaling I do. So I try to bring a little creativity to it, but that's really the key to starting my day. I love that. And I think the creativity piece helps because if it's the same exact thing, like Groundhog Day every morning, it just gets so monotonous and and boring. And the second that you are, you know, really tired or don't feel like doing it, it's going to go out the window because the motivation is gone. Um, I practice a lot of gratitude. I don't necessarily, I would encourage like, you know, the one thing you're thankful for each day, but mm -hmm. I kind of try to capture it through the week. And I actually do a post on Sundays of, I caught four that brought more on my Instagram. I've seen those and I, they're great. I think they're it's a fantastic idea. Anything. It could be from a latte, a pumpkin spice latte to a great article I read or to just a connection I made. And I've realized that has actually changed my life and talk about purpose. Like I feel like it's me sharing has helped others because I'll get these messages out of the blue and that just brings so much joy to me. So if I can share something that helps one person, that just made my day. That's amazing. I like nonfiction as well. And I probably should start reading fiction at night because sometimes I get hung up reading these nonfiction books before bed. And then I'm all excited about, oh, I want to try this or I want to do that. And then I'm like, then I can't sleep. And that backfires. So I don't recommend that. But I'm reading From the Gap to the Gain. Yeah. And it's really good. The author was actually talking about how important this hour is in the morning that you're describing. He was saying that in addition to that, how you start your day, the last hour before you go to sleep is very significant. He talks about Michael Phelps and visualization and how all these Olympians, they visualize their races and, and how their day is going to go, how their practice is going to go. And essentially that's what we're talking about today. So he says that hour before you go to bed, if you approach it with intention, get rid of the phone, think about how you want that day to go, even if it's just a theme for your next day or you know, the main thing you want to accomplish or feel, whatever it is, that you, you get more out of it than that hour or that half hour because the whole time you're sleeping – it's on the, I guess, the forefront of your brain. I'm probably not describing this correctly in terms of science, but this way when you wake up, you're ready to go and your brain has already sort of prepared it while you were sleeping. And he says it's way more effective. So I literally just read it last night, but I plan to try to start incorporating some of those things because I thought it was really interesting and I feel like it's 
very much in line with what we're talking about today. No, I totally, I take out my calendar and that's the, that's why I like to call it creative calendaring because I'm a 52 year old that loves stickers, but they're functional for me. It's number one, it's self-care and it also supports a lot of small businesses. I mean, some of the people, the creators of these stickers are absolutely amazing, but like I said, it's functional. Like for my classes, I use, you know, assignment quizzes, take a walk, things like that, that kind of stand out when I look at my planner. But and it I makes know. it so fun to, to do, you know, yeah. have fun a little while you're making it. You know, for a while I was embarrassed, but honestly, something that small has, has changed my life. And as much as my family will sometimes make jokes about it, my daughter now is like a huge journaler and she's starting to incorporate a lot of that. So again, to each their own. It's yep. not But you're leading by example and it's working for you. So that speaks volumes. Yeah. So that kind of inspires me, encourages me to always look ahead. And I do feel by, by having a night routine too, does set you up really well for the next day. And we're always going to have hiccups and bumps and emergencies, but building in that intentional like white space or free space, you'll hear referenced in many different ways, but also that buffer time has helped me too, so that I can definitely, this sounds silly to say, but kind of be prepared for some emergencies or have space where if something does come up, I know that I have some free space later on during the week. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it makes things a lot less stressful because inevitably the thing that does pop up is going to add stress. If you don't have a minute of wiggle room in that day, it's going to totally throw you off. So having those little margins in our day and our, our life can help so much. They're all little things, but they are together very, very big and very impactful. So thank you. Thank you very much for being here. I will link everything. I know we talked about a lot of, we have a lot of references here. The show notes will be thorough. <laughs> so everyone can check those because I'm sure, I know I want to refer back to a lot of these things. Where can everybody find you, Kathleen? So you can find me on primarily Instagram at plan to be more. And I do have a website, plan to be more.com. Um, also, I encourage you to check out Rutgers Cooperative Extension because we have a lot of really great outreach and, and resources that um, many of you listening here may not know about. Um, but I think you'd be quite thrilled to see a lot of the services and, and opportunities that Extension offers. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here and for all that you do. Thank you. It was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and have been inspired to slow down and start living life at your own pace. As a brand new podcast, your listener voice matters. If Let's Slow Down is resonating with you, please take a minute to leave a review and rate us. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen and share it with friends. Remember, this is a process, so go easy on yourself. Be gentle and take all the space you need to thrive because the world needs you to be at your best, to love and serve others and yourself. 